to Hashtag Travel Talks. It's your podcast on the latest digital trends in travel and tourism marketing. And here's your host, Nolly Nicholas. Welcome to a new episode of TravelCast. And today I have the opportunity to receive two guests. So I have the opportunity to receive Humphrey Ho and also Angelica Pricewatcher. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. So can you maybe, Angelica, can you present yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Angelica Price Rocha. I'm the Director of Public Relations for Highlink Travel. Um, we recently launched our travel subsidiary catering to the Chinese outbound tourist and predominantly serving U.S. destination marketing organizations, although we are expanding to uh, the U.K. and E.U. And I will allow Humphrey to elaborate a bit more on our services, but very happy to be here today. Thank you. So Humphrey, can you present yourself? Yeah. So hi, everybody. Hello to all the listeners. My name is Humphrey Ho. I'm the managing director for Highlink uh, USA. I have the luck of running the New York and the Los Angeles office for the largest digital agency in China, headquartered in Beijing. I'm based in Los Angeles. Uh, I've spent the last three years working in travel, tourism, um, marketing, uh, more so specifically for the U.S. and China. But uh, we obviously uh, have a lot of uh, influence in, in Europe because of our office in London that does uh, very similar work. Highlink uh, is 24 years old, based in Beijing, and it's the first ad agency to go abroad uh, from China. Okay, and uh, we would say made in contact because you are starting, I would say, a new subsidiary, Highlink uh, Travel. So, can you tell us why and the reason that you are launching this um, extension? Yeah, so it's actually quite a natural extension. So Highlink Travel is a very specialized group of people, including Angelica, who is our director of PR for travel, um, and our team that has a lot of travel tourism expertise because, A, the travel tourism industry is actually not very well served by a very specialty advertising and marketing and consumer marketing agency. Um, so we identified that as an opportunity uh, to this day, it's very uh, rare that that is the case. And secondly, the Chinese consumer, which we know very well because we're the largest digital agency in China, uh, is traveling more and more. It, it will be a natural uh, evolution from 120 to the 200 million travelers uh, that will be going abroad. And so this is the time for us to work with everything from airlines to luxury brands that are very much into the traveler, to hotel groups, to uh, DMOs, to destination marketing organizations of the city, state, country level, to ensure that they are receiving and marketing to the Chinese traveler that has shifted so much, uh, even in the last three years. Okay, and what can you tell us about the Chinese traveler? Because we heard a lot about them, especially in Europe, because a lot of this Western destinations are trying to attract them in their country. So can you say, tell us, what is the ch uh, typical Chinese traveler? Yeah. So, well, there really isn't a typical traveler to Europe, but I can tell you the following. There's definitely a lot more Euro uh, European-bound Chinese travelers than there are American-bound. So putting it into perspective, there's about 3 million Chinese uh, travelers going to the U.S. every year. There's 13.5 or almost 14 million now 
uh, going to Europe. So the European market is over four times the size of the U.S., which is very similar to the Chinese audience because they're going to get on a plane. They must travel approximately 10 hours to get somewhere in Europe. And the same thing applies for going sort of uh, overseas outbound of, uh, to the U.S. as well. Uh, interestingly, though, the uh, tourists in Europe, uh, typically, especially if they're going through France, Germany, Italy, uh, Western Europe, their average stay is uh, pretty short. It's only less than six days. It was 5.8 days um, uh, in, in, in Europe. Uh, it was 17 days in the U.S. That's very interesting um, as a statistic because we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll deep dive into who these people are um, throughout our podcast um, today. The huge growth that's happening currently is EU countries um, that are uh, in Eastern Europe. They're still very group tour uh, oriented because of the maturity of the tourists' understanding of Eastern Europe. But that is growing very rapidly. We're seeing sometimes doubling or 50% or 35% increases in visitation um, to Euro Eastern European countries. Um, and um, generally, our, our tourist uh, in general is from definitely from tier one and two cities in China. So these would be Shanghai and all, uh, Beijing and all of the provincial capitals uh, in China. So Guangzhou, Chengdu, Chongqing, Shenyang, Qingdao. Uh, those would be the, the major um, outbound sources. They're a little bit more female. Um, this is definitely very evident because of the shopping, but uh, there's about 55% female. Uh, 45% male, actually. So the women make the decision, definitely, on, on, on where we're okay. going, um, definitely. And they're very young. So over 50s, uh, over 60%, actually, now, over 60% of the tourists is under 35 years old, which means that they were all born after 1980. Um, so that is a, a very important fact to remember because we are catering. We may see a lot of group tours still today in certain places in, 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 in France uh, or even in Germany. But that's rapidly changing globally. Um, for example, uh, why I was saying that the uh, travel tourism industry has changed so much in 2015, I think over 70% of tours to Europe in general, all destinations in Europe, was group. Um, now, we're starting to see only that share about 44 or 45%. The remainder of that is being taken over by FIT, so free independent traveler. So tourists who book, obviously, in smaller groups, they control their own bookings of FIT and semi-FIT. So they put together their own travel packages, their own travel experience. And so that's something to, to definitely look out for as a traveler. Okay. And can you also explain, because China has his own, I would say, ecosystem as um, digital media. And what do you think is the impact of those media on the decision on which, let's say, country they want to travel to? It's a very good question. So um, I, I'm going to focus my conversation really around three uh, major travel platforms that are coming up that are quite large in China for outbound decisions. C-Trip, everybody talks about. C-Trip's focus is on everything. They're, they're, uh, they're the Expedia and the booking of everything. So you'll, you're going to catch all kinds of tourists. You'll mostly, from C-Trip, though, generate business travelers and then business leisure, so leisure travelists uh, coming to uh, Europe. Uh, this is because C-Trip started off and it still has a much more mature audience. Uh, their average age is in the mid to late 30s. And so you're going to have people who would do group travel after their business travel. You have people who do zero-day travel, so they're in market and they have the 
the access to C trip and they book right away. Uh, and so the tourist that you're going to get there is more like uh, mid mid wealthy. So they're very all travelers are wealthy from China. All travelers generally are wealthy, but uh, from C trip you're going to have sort of middle average wealth. Um, they're definitely going to come maybe in 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 larger groups. So they may have um, the wife or the family or the, coming together after a business or together as a group. Um, C-Trip is primarily an OTA, an online travel agent. So they only capture the audience between zero and 41 days before travel, which is when the average time a tourist <laughs> wants to book to Europe. So this is when they've decided they want to go to Europe. It's just where. they landing in Zurich or Geneva or they landing in Frankfurt because it's cheaper or maybe flying via Moscow because of Aeroflot deals. It's mostly down to a pricing decision. On Fliggy, which is Alibaba's um, travel platform, aptly called a flying pig. Uh, so flying pig. Um, the Amazon is the Amazon of travel. So the audience is much younger. Um, the audience is actually on average uh, in the in the late 20s. I think their average age was 30 actually this year. So it's much younger. These are FIT travelers for sure. These are definitely tier one and two city travelers, not the lower tier cities that Ctrip also has access to because of the user base that is very Alibaba. The Alibaba user is still primarily e-commerce, so wealthier tier one, two, three cities, a little bit fringe, uh, wealthy of course because they shop on e-commerce, and so to them, shopping for travel tourism products is same as shopping for a pair of underwear um, because of the same ecosystem they get to use. They use AliPay to pay for their trip. They use Ali Trip or Fliggy to fly to uh, their favorite destination, and because Ali Pay has a very unique advantage, it captures a young audience because of the tax back okay. in Europe. So the VAT, the VAT return, you get zero day tax back using Ali Pay, and so the audience is very much more in a uh, higher consumption demographic that you see in Europe. Younger uh, shopping uh, is is a key, but luxury experiences on average on Fliggy they don't book anything below. Four star hotel, so four and five star hotel traveler very young. Um, the traveler, because they are inside the Alibaba ecosystem, they're able to be inspired to travel. So you can run branding advertising from 90 days before travel to the 41 days where their average is going to be booking, and then from 41 days to zero days, you can also capture them because Alibaba also sells the products. Fliggy also sells the travel product. And uh, considering this demographic, do you think also they are, I would say, impacted or influenced by, I would say, Chinese influencers which are traveling on those destinations also? Yeah, so Chinese influencers are best used in sort of two scenarios, um, and 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 they ultimately indirectly drive traffic to those OTAs, right? Uh, C trip and and Fliggy also. Work very closely with a lot of many famous influencers, so that's sort of the cross integration that they do to influence you to want to go to one city uh, or another. But on C trip um, and, and Flaky generally, um, those are travel influencers, lifestyle influencers, flash fashion influencers. They 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 became famous for um, sort of exuding a luxury lifestyle um, in <laughs> and abroad. Now they're useful because they're useful in bringing an attention to very small details of a city. That are unknown. They're very useful in Europe because of the number of travelers that are going to Europe versus to Australia or the U.S. or any other long haul destination. It's giving them like the unique shops or the unique hotels to stay at, unique experiences that are going to encourage the traveler to not just get off a bus, 
know, visit the downtown area and then and, and, and get back on a bus and, and leave. Um, in terms of real influencer impact in China now, it's best to partner with influencers or celebrities because they are celebrities inside content. So specifically inside a, a, a OTV, so a Yoku or ITE or a, mm-hmm. a show that that focuses on travel uh, and tourism, and and you know Britain, Germany, uh, Denmark, France, Sweden, they've all done that very well at the national level, uh, and all the cities obviously participate. Germany done a very good job at participating in content as well. And also, does also Instagram has the same impact in China than into from the West Western countries? So there's no Instagram in China. Oh, okay. So we have Nice, which is our version of Instagram. It's still very much growing because there's a huge competitor called WeChat. We can equally share our uh, photos and our video, our short videos on WeChat Moments. So that's where most people tend to share it. Um, but uh, another place that people share Instagram-like photos, very you know, Photoshop beauty shots, is um, on uh, Meitu, uh, which is uh, a Photoshop software actually um, that also has a social network. Okay, and talking about WeChat, we heard a lot about this application in Western countries. But what is, I would say, the the use? Of this application in China, yeah. So definitely, WeChat is a it's a must-have. It's like having Wi-Fi. If you don't have WeChat, you're, you're not very doing a very good job marketing in China. So WeChat is over a billion users, of course. WeChat has several very useful functions for um, any marketer in any travel tourism category or industry. Um, the first one, obviously, is the blog posts that you can create on a service account. Uh, there's also the ability to use programmatic advertising to do fans acquisition, to so to acquire followers that maybe you want followers that have been to your destination to share it with others. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want luxury um, uh, advertisers. Uh, so, for example, a very good brand is um, you know, IWC specifically does advertising um, to people who have been to Switzerland and been to Germany, so that they understand that the product is you know precision timekeeping. For example, and so they leverage travel tourism um, to do that. Uh, obviously, we can create mini programs. So um, in WeChat, um, there's the ability to create mini programs and mini apps, which is the extension of your application, your mobile app, uh, for your flight or for your hotel or for your destination. Um, because in China, it's very hard to ask and very expensive to ask someone to install your application, your mobile app. Um, so okay. they're integrated inside the WeChat ecosystem. So there's a lot of things you can do. Okay, and uh, I was you were talking about the let's see the demographic of the travelers. Can you let's say tell some numbers, for example, of Chinese traveling in Europe? Yeah, so um, we have a lot of data from the uh, EU tourism office, uh, and we've collected a little bit of data from different uh, sources. But uh, for example, in Switzerland, which is home. Um, there's about 1.4 million Chinese tourists. So to put that in perspective, that's half, close to half of, of the tourists that come to the U.S. Um, so it's pretty um, big. Most of the tour- tourist age in Switzerland, for example, um, is under 35 years old. So again, people born um, after 1980, very young. Uh, mm-hmm. 
about 40% of the market is, is that in Switzerland. Now, uh, they're all from tier one and tier two cities. So they're very close to a city that has a direct flight um, into Zurich or Geneva, etc. Obviously, the most purchased things are exactly what, if you were Swiss, you think about. Um, they purchase watches. They purchase Swiss Army knives, candies, uh, chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> right? And, and um, there's a little bit of an emergence in purchasing wine, but that's probably because of the price difference between the euro and the franc. Um, typically, they stay on average, again, very short. They stay uh, less than the average. I think it was three days they stay in um, Switzerland because most of them are booking as part of a group. So <laughs> they're very young. They're still booking as part of a Italy, Switzerland, Germany, or a France, Italy, Switzerland trip. Um, so that's an opportunity for um, uh, tourism resources in Switzerland to really t- take people outside of the city, uh, <laughs> major popular itineraries, um, but it's it's the same places they visit. So if uh, Geneva, um, obviously uh, Schaffhausen, uh, Schaffhausen, Zurich, Lucerne, uh, those are all the very popular places. Um, and so there's an opportunity there to highlight the things that are are, are not, um, you know, on the beaten path. Uh, France next door is uh, very popular. It's closer to three million travelers now. Um, in 2017, they stay the average. So in France, they stay 5.8 days, which is the average stay of a, Euro- a Chinese in Europe. Um, they, they, they're, two, they're close to 3 million tourists generate, I think, somewhere along the lines of 12 or 13 million hotel room nights. So it's a huge hotel um, booking market um, in um, France. Um, and, and again, it's, it's still very much the popular thing. So we ran um, some data on Mafengwa, which is China's version of TripAdvisor. Um, and the top 20 things are exactly the top 20 things on TripAdvisor. Louvre, okay. Versailles, Eiffel Tower. So it's very, very popular. They go to Bordeaux, obviously, to purchase the wine. They go to Paris. Uh, they may make a day trip to Disneyland. Um, and, of course, there's a little bit of Nice um, and, and southern uh, France. But that's still a very rare place to go to for the tourists because they don't always end up there unless they're on a self-driving. Um, and what about the U.S.? In the U.S., uh, there are 3.2 million Chinese tourists coming in. They stay 17, uh, between 17 and 18 days, depending on who you ask, um, on average. So they generate a lot of hotel room nights. Interestingly, um, like Europe, uh, they, they go to a minimum of 2.5 destinations. So they definitely do not stay in one city, just like in Europe. Um, it's a lot less than Europe. So Europe, the average number of destinations is four. Um, so because the U.S. is much bigger um, and also far fewer things to sort of do, especially for a particular kind of audience. Um, so they, they go to about 2.5 destinations. They're the largest spender in the U.S. They, they leave approximately, depending on who you ask, anywhere between 12 to 18,000 U.S. dollars every time they stay. So they spend way more money in the U.S. than they spend in Europe. Um, but there is a very broad market. So versus almost 85% of hotels in Europe by Chinese tourists are booked in four-star or above hotels. Um, Five-star is, I think, one-third of the bookings in Europe. In in U.S., there is everything. There is $100 a night hotels through to the $800 a night hotel. So the range is very broad. Um, Here it's sort of very much very equal um, to the tourist. Um, Interestingly, um, a statistic for everybody is European visas, depending on which country issues, Schengen visas, etc., to the Chinese tourist, 
they almost re they redeem the visa pretty much on the first year. So most uh, users, if they get a one year, three year, five year, or ten year visa to Europe, they will uh, redeem that visa, use the visa within the first year. In the U.S., okay. they typically use that visa on average in the third year of their ten year visa, which they have here, which shows the user is more familiar with Europe. They're definitely more familiar with the shopping countries. I would like to say that. Uh, very yeah. familiar with Britain. Very familiar with, uh, with, with Germany, with Italy, with France, uh, even now Spain, Portugal, um, uh, definitely. Um, but with the U.S., it shows that they have to build up a sense of courage to come, meaning that uh, they have to know what's there, what's so unique about the U.S. before they travel. Okay, so now we have a good view of the, say, typical Chinese traveler, but now let's see, let's say that I am um, a destination and I'm asking for your service, especially to market on the digital space. So what will be the first step for, to help me? Yeah, well, you email me at uh, hello at highlinktravel.com. I think that's very important. Or you go to highlinktravel.com. Yeah. But, um, in, in terms of actually what we would do, it depends really on every client. So um, airline clients that we have that we service here in the U.S., um, they're very specific about increasing bookings during particular times of year when they're soft. Um, hotels are the same. They're very much focused on performance marketing. They want to generate this. I spend one dollar or one euro and I want X dollars in hotel room nights book. That's very it's actually quite simple. It's a performance marketing initiative. Many of our clients, almost all of our clients come to us for social media. And so that's, uh, it depends on where they are. Some clients don't have any WeChat Wave 1, so we have to get them verified in the service account in China, etc. Some already have a WeChat Weibo account. They discover that they could take it to the next level, for example, with uh, mini apps, uh, with uh, better content, um, with uh, just some better advertising on the social media platform. Um, other clients uh, will come to us because they want to buy media in China. So this is typically larger clients, again, corporate, private, or national or, or state or provincial level um, tourism organizations. They want to buy a video uh, advertising okay. in China. And so we, we service the entire gamut because of our size and who we are in China. True expert. In okay, so now I would say I have more, I would say personal question for both of you. So I will start with um, with you, Omri. Uh, what was your most memorable travel? My most memorable travel um, is actually through Germany. Um, I, I love Germany because I am, um, personally, I love cars. Um, I, I have the honor of owning, I have the honor of owning a, a Porsche. So I, 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 I love road trips. My most memorable experience was trying to uh, go up a, a mountain road between um, uh, essentially Germany and uh, no, Switzerland and Italy. I ended up in the Splugen Pass because everything else was closed uh, because of the, the snow. And I stayed there for about three hours just going up and down up <laughs> the spaghetti road <laughs> with trucks and other sports cars. Um, that is possibly my most memorable day because uh, I, I, I managed to have uh, lunch in Italy. I <laughs> believe I had uh, breakfast in Switzerland and I ended up having dinner in Germany. Um, nice. <laughs> I, love my, I live in my car. That's why I live in Los Angeles. But uh, I, I, I finally had a very good time uh, on the Splugen Pass in, uh, in 
and so on. Okay, and for you, Angelica? <laughs> sure. So I'm actually American, but I'm first generation on my dad's side. He's Portuguese, and my most fond memories and you know travel experiences that really shaped me as a person were our summers that we spent in Portugal. Um, obviously, as I entered the workforce and became an adult, those um, couldn't happen any longer, but it was always so wonderful to go to the north in Portugal in these really quaint small towns like Santo Valle, where my grandparents lived, um, and really experienced this slower way of life. Um, and also experiencing Lisbon, and then eventually spending more time in the south, in the Algarve, which is, you know, very much the vacation spot of Portugal, particularly for uh, British, actually. Um, but just such fond memories, um, getting able to, being able to spend time with my family, but also learn so much about the culture, which is a part of who I am. And yeah, just will always remember those as being just very formative experiences for me. But I also have to caveat that and say that I went to Italy for the first time this summer, which was just a tremendous travel experience. Uh, I went to Tuscany, Florence, nice. Rome, and Cinque Terre. And it went by way too fast. I wish I had a few extra days um, in each respective city, but it was just so wonderful. Yes, uh, especially Tuscany. I really love uh, Florence. So. so beautiful. Yeah. Did you have the opportunity to go to Siena or not? No, I didn't, unfortunately, but hopefully next Italy trip. Yeah, okay. So I want to thank you, both of you, for your time. Yes, and thank you so much. And how can I, I would say, a destination or travel brand can reach you? Sure. So as Humphrey just mentioned, our main email address is hello at highlinktravel.com. And also... I can provide my email address for any public relations or media inquiries. And that's my first name, A-N-J-E-L-I-C-A dot P-R at highlinkgroup.com. Okay. So thank you. And I uh, wish you um, a good day because in Los Angeles, you're starting your day. <laughs> yes. And hope you have a lovely evening. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.